You're listening to MND Matters, a podcast from the MND Association. Welcome to MND Matters, brought to you by the MND Association and sponsored by Toyota GB and Toyota Financial Services. My name is Pauline Marks, Head of National Care at the MND Association, and I'm joined today by Maggie Hevicon, one of our specialist MND wheelchair physiotherapists, who's going to talk us through her role at the association. And I'm also really pleased to be joined by Simon Asprey, who's living with MND and has been helped by the association's wheelchair service with some financial grants. So welcome, Maggie. Hi, Simon. Thanks for joining me. I just want to start by sharing that it's estimated that over 80% of people living with MND will need a wheelchair during their time living with the condition. And last year, the association funded almost £70,000 worth of grants for people living with MND. And those grants were used to pay for wheelchair accessories that aren't funded by statutory services, so the NHS, but make a significant difference to people living with MND. And these include things such as risers, power packs, attendant controls and powered elevating leg rests. So that's been the main how the association's funding supports people. So I'm going to turn to Maggie now. Maggie, it'd be really great to hear a little bit more about what your role is and how you work with the association and really what that involves. Thank you very much. Well, yeah, I'm one of three people we work as a team to on the wheelchair project. Um, I'm physio, as as you said, by background. Lynn Hills is an OT. The two of us have worked as therapists in um, adult neurodisability and neuro rehab for many years, but have specialised for many years also in in wheelchairs and and posture management. And then we have Anne Buchanan, who joins us at the head office, and she helps us. Um, She fields all the inquiries that come in through through head office and very often she can um, manage the inquiries but she also then sends them across to Lynn or I if it needs to have an, a clinical opinion and also and very important in managing the grant process up at head office. So um, Lynn and I are we're based in Carshalton in Surrey at the Queen Elizabeth Foundation which is one of the uh, disability driving mobility centres around the country and we cover two of the specialist motor nerve clinics in London um, as part of part of our role Um, that's a multidisciplinary clinic where um, people living with MND come in for their first appointments or their reviews and um, so we get referrals from them but we also get referrals from the helpline Uh, throughout the country which is England, Wales and Northern Ireland um, so that we can offer remote advice to people themselves living with the disease and also to wheelchair services and the wider healthcare professions that are supporting the person um, with the disease. Um, So we provide training and and support to the local wheelchair services um, and the wider community team as well and try and um, work out the right wheelchair solutions for people living with with motor neuron disease. Thank you Maggie and you've started to answer my second question um, but I'm going to ask it because it might be useful just to, to expand a little bit more. So you started to talk about the, the work that you do with wheelchair services and some of the support you give to them. Can you sort of describe some of the other stuff that you do to support wheelchair services? Training is quite a, a big 
part of of our support and and that training's been going on for a, a number of years this project has been um, it began when it was felt that wheelchair services around the country were a, a bit variable in in their response times for people with with nnd and it was important that that they were aware that you know some people will need to be seen quite quickly if they're going to make the best use of of a, a manual or a powered wheelchair um, so the training in the appropriate equipment that that we feel is right for for people with the disease and also to raise awareness with them with those services that they need to pick up these referrals as as on their urgent list so that we can help people quickly we train people in the uh, wheelchair pathway for for mnd which has been developed to also give them a, a a good roadmap as to what we feel is the right way to um, support people with mnd and we also can support them perhaps with short-term loan of equipment and hire of equipment if if they are struggling there have been issues with the supply chain certainly in the last few years with with covid and and i think brexit has also um been a problem with getting stuff in from the, from europe certainly so so if we've got some a small amount of stock and equipment at qef that we can help support services with loan or hire or while they're waiting for their equipment to come we try and keep on top of of the most recent technology because that changes and develops so quickly and there are some really exciting pieces of technology in the mobility world um, that we also try and, and update and support services if they can supply that that equipment um, to make driving a power chair for instance uh, extend that as long as possible for the person we'll also arrange the grant support system if people do need to have equipment that is away from the statutory service so um, Pauline as you said the risers the powered elevated leg rest sometimes people feel they would would like and wheelchair services feel they haven't got the capacity to fund those tendon control is something that we also support people with the grant applications in sort of partnership with the wheelchair services so that people can have an attendant control on the chair if it can't be provided by the wheelchair yeah. service. That's, so. that's really interesting. I think it'd be really good to come back to that in a bit more detail, some of the reasons yeah. um, why those pieces of equipment might be really, really beneficial. Um, and it very much sounds like the work that, that you and Lynn and Anne do is really to complement the NHS and to really kind of support people with MND through that journey, um, which yeah. is absolutely fantastic. And you touched on something um, which I just wanted to, to mention as well, just in terms of services being different and services needing to, to understand, you know, having to fast track things for, for people with MND. And that very much ties in to some of the work that's been undertaken by the Wheelchair Alliance. So the Wheelchair Alliance exists separately to the MND Association, um, but it's something that um, we have two MND Association staff members, myself and my manager Nick, are actually on the board of the Wheelchair Alliance. And, and the Wheelchair Alliance commissioned some research last year which unearthed a postcode lottery around the provision of wheelchairs, including for people with motor neurone disease. The Wheelchair Alliance made some you know, very strong recommendations to NHS England, um, all of which 
as an association, we really, you know, wholeheartedly support. And, you know, I can see that the work that, that you're doing, Maggie and Lynn and Anne, is helping to, to drive up some of those standards for people with MND. So I just wanted to mention that because it felt quite relevant. I'm going to pause for a moment and and turn to you, Simon, because it'd be really good to, to hear from you and understand a little bit about um, your journey. So when you were diagnosed with MND, Simon, can you take us back to how you felt at the time and what symptoms you first experienced? Yeah, um, I was first diagnosed in 2005. And uh, obviously, I have a very slow, long running variant. Uh, it's actually not the normal ALS variant, but a much more rare uh, type called PLS. Um, yeah, so um, my my first symptom was actually a, a slight slurring of my speech, and um, and obviously you can you can still hear it, um, you know, with the way I pronounce S's. But uh, um, uh, curiously, uh, that that um, voice issue didn't progress um, anywhere near as fast as um, might might have been expected. Um, instead, um, my my legs began to um, uh, get affected and. Uh, uh, yeah, it began with um, just getting very tired on walks. I, I like doing fell walking and things. Well, I used to like doing fell walking and things. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was getting very difficult. You know, I couldn't even keep up with you know octogenarians and, and such like. And then, of course, uh, I. I, I began to um, find it hard to keep upright, and uh, I had one or two um, catastrophic, well, catastrophic falls. One in particular where I, I broke a few ribs, um, uh, trying yeah, try, trying to step over a wire, and uh, uh, and you know because my legs were weakened. I didn't make it over the wire, so um, yeah, that was one of the first indicators I needed some kind of support um, uh, for mo you know, mobility. So um, as far as that's concerned, I started with um, a walking stick, uh, <clears throat> um, and. Uh, uh, soon graduated to a manual chair. I was I was teaching science at the time, uh, and um, uh, the the school had split sight, so um, <laughs> uh, I I used to have to travel by wheelchair between one side and the other um, manually, um, with a usually one of the older students pushing me. I mean, I guess that was probably not the right thing to do, but um, uh, yeah, that, that was the way it worked. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so very soon after that, um, I realized that 
and and because my arm muscles were getting a bit tired as well uh, and uh, weak and uh, clumsy. So um, you know, maneuvering a manual chair and you know even just getting up a mild slope was proving impossible. So um, yeah, um, initially. Well, I approached access to work, uh, which was um, I don't know, I don't know if it's still going now. Um, it is very much, yeah. Well, okay. Anyway, yeah, access to work provided the lion's share of um, the funding for a, a wheelchair, uh, a, a power chair, and um, and I had that chair for five years mm-hmm. and starting in 2009, which, which gives you an idea how, how fast my um, particular variant was progressing. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that one lasted five years. Um, and uh, then uh, I, I got an NHS wheelchair. The association very generously uh, funded um, the riser on that which honestly is an amazing piece of kit. So what, what sorts of things does Arisa enable you to do, Simon? Oh, well, um, I mean, uh, the the official line is uh, it enables you to reach the top drawer of a filing cabinet. Well, that was not really um, very important to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, but uh, top shelf of supermarkets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the most important to me is um, that they're raising me up um, to a level where I can converse with um, other people um, in a standing um, with, you know, at our level. Um, mm-hmm. So... You have no idea how awful it is when you're down below a conversation, when everything's going on above your head. Yeah. You know, eye contact and speech and everything, uh, particularly if there's ambient noise. Um, it's It really is very hard, uh, particularly if your voice is weak, as mine um, yeah. is, um, to... You know, interject uh, any any comment. I mean, first you have to hear it, uh, and then and then you have to summon the effort um, to actually in, um, make a comment. And what what happens is you end, you end up just listening in. That yeah, that's not a very nice feeling, to be frank. Um, so. What the riser does in lifting me up to the level of um, conversation is uh, it means I can have direct eye contact with um, interlocutors. Uh, I can um, uh, I can speak, um, you know, even with my soft husky voice um, uh, at a level that will um, enable me to be heard. Usually, yeah. yeah, it's all very, you know, things that that possibly you know, we take for granted. Yeah. Um, 
how how would you describe the difference that having the riser has made to you? So you started to kind of share some of you know the things that you've that you found challenging and but I guess how would you describe that difference perhaps to your quality of life? Oh um uh, well enormous really I mean um obviously it's not essential for mobility which is yeah. why the NHS doesn't actually fund a riser. It, it really makes a big difference to me. Um, yeah, I, I often chat with groups of friends who are standing around, you know, drinking coffee after some meeting or other. And um, it's it's just so very important to me personally. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing. So Maggie, um, so just picking up on on the points that that Simon's made and and the experience that he shared, how do you support people living with MND that need a wheelchair? I think Simon, you've made it sort of very clear that it's important that Lynn and I and, and Anne that we we have close communication with yourselves so that we can ask you the sorts of questions about what what you need and want from your your chair. Um, we have the luxury of being able to be a, a little flexible and not have to sit within the, the constraints that the NHS wheelchair services have. So, so if it means we can offer advice, because I think sometimes wheelchair services, they know what they're allowed to provide within their individual criteria. And I think the concern is that then people aren't always made very aware of what what they could have or what yeah. alternative solutions they could have so that if we can have a, a wider conversation with people we will always be that we you know we try our very best to absolutely understand the constraints that the NHS are under um, but also to support people with making their equipment work for them it might be with the riser some some of our clients really find the the powered elevated leg rests are a, a very useful thing to have because if you can't move your legs yourself anymore to be able to press a button to change the position of your legs is is something that is it relieves the discomfort yeah you're sitting very still um, yes and it, it also um uh, reduces a level of um you know swelling around the ankles yeah um, which although it's not um uh, not strictly necessary it really that does make you feel um, a little bit more comfortable. Definitely. Yes, yes, I agree. And then an, another um, area that we've more and more involved with is, is equipment that is outside of statutory provision completely. So in the early stages of the disease, when people are struggling to walk perhaps outdoors any distance, then there are the, the, a huge range of folding power chairs out there now that people are often very interested in in looking at. Uh, equally, people are, think that perhaps a scooter is something that's going to work for them. And though it does sometimes, it is a solution for some people's outdoor mobility, we have to try and offer people the, the general advice as to finding a piece of equipment that would give them a longer mobility solution um, is where we would be aiming at, where sometimes scooters are difficult with, if your arms are beginning to get weak and your shoulders are beginning to get, to get weak. To hold a, the, the handlebars on a scooter can be quite tiring. 
So it's though we're happy to support people with their decisions, we'll try to give them a, a sort of wider picture of, of the pros and cons of pieces of equipment that perhaps NHS wheelchair services just don't get involved with because it's not part of their range and part of their statutory provision. And beyond that, then, of course, it's about accessing grants. You were saying you, you looked at um, access to work. That is something mm -hmm. that, you know, people still are able to access and, and they can be quite generous in their funding towards piece of equipment if somebody is able to, to use that scheme. For um, other charities, there are uh, ranges of different charities dependent on the person's background that, that they could approach and then we're more happy more than happy to write reports and to support those applications for funding outside of of the mnda because it's not always sufficient the grant that the that the association can provide some people have to gather up funding from a number of pots of money and then that's something that we're lynn and i are more than happy in writing reports to support those grant applications yeah that's really good maggie and i suppose what i'm hearing is that that your role is about enabling people to have an element of choice and control um over over the equipment and also you know you listen and find out about what actually matters to to individuals living with mnd um because everybody's going to have different things that matter to them Absolutely. so you know if somebody's quite social then you know there might be features on a wheelchair that matter more than maybe somebody who spends a lot of time outdoors or who has dogs or children or you know, even down to somebody's property. So I think, yeah, it's really important that as well as looking at an individual's clinical needs, it's about, you know, what do you like to do? You know, mm. find out about the person and almost look at that individual in a holistic way. Um, and I can see, Simon, that that riser is something that has enabled you to do the things that you enjoy doing. So being able to have conversations, you know, be with your friends, so yeah. whilst that's not necessarily clinical, it gives you that, you know, that boost that really helps your quality of life, which is so yeah. important and absolutely not to be underestimated. Indeed. Brilliant. Um, one of the things that you touched on, Maggie, was um, around the support that you and, and Lynn will give in terms of people's mobility solutions. And you, you give the example of a scooter. And that sometimes that can be a really fantastic short term solution, but depending on how somebody's MND progresses, it, it might not be a solution that you know, even in the medium term is going to work. So that, I suppose, brings me on to the notion of um, the education and the that idea of anticipating somebody's needs and how they might change. So can you talk a little bit about that, Maggie? So how how might you do that so whether that's with an individual that you're supporting or with a wheelchair service yeah it's I guess it's probably a little easier with talking to the clinicians in the wheelchair services it's raising awareness to them that if a chair is issued via the NHS that is going to meet the, the needs of the person all the way through then that's obviously going to save the, the wheelchair service time and and reduce the frustration with the with the wheelchair user themselves then they don't have to have a piece of equipment now and then worry that the drive system isn't working for them and now that another piece of equipment's got to be ordered and then they've got to wait in a few months for that to come and to be set up but as far as supporting the individual with their choices then 
it, it's difficult because everybody is is different and some people are, are incredibly proactive and really want to know what's out there and, and what they could have um that's going to even if they're their walking seems to be pretty good and they don't need a wheelchair then um you know that they're, they're still wanting to know what's out there so that that's a probably an easier situation to deal with for Lynn and I because we can just help the person find out what equipment there is out there there are dealerships around the country that have a huge range of equipment that people can go and trial and see if that's going to meet their needs and we always try and say look please keep us involved go and try something um, but see how it got on if it didn't feel that it was quite right then you know we can probably find a different solution for you or help you to choose an alternative solution um, but it sometimes people aren't really ready to have that conversation and then that's fine too Lynn and I will will leave people with our um, contact details and just say look just call us if you think that in a few months time things have changed a bit and you would like some advice and support from us with what might work for you, then that's fine. Just just get hold of us. So we're there to support people wherever they are in, in their um, journey through through the changing mobility needs. Thank you, Maggie. And Simon, you've you've talked a little bit about the riser. Um in terms of, of other wheelchair accessories, um can you just tell us about the, the wheelchair accessories you've got and how the association have supported you financially with those? Yeah, um, to, be, to be honest, I think um, the association has only provided funding for risers and mm -hmm. uh, a battery pack, or maybe two battery packs. Um, but I do have other accessories on my chair. Um, which were provided by the NHS. Oh, would you like to know about those? Yeah, I'd be interested, yeah, because it's, every service does things differently, so it's always good to understand um, what services do. So, yeah, please share, Simon. Sure. Um, well, um, this chair has um, tilt and recline. Mm -hmm. um, it has the powered legs, um, leg lifter, and uh, the headrest, which, uh, you know, um, in my condition is uh, pretty much essential. The the uh, the uh, seat cushion is um, I think I think that's some something special. I'm not quite sure what is special about it, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but um, I don't I don't get uh, uncomfortable during the day. Um, Obviously, yeah, I'm I'm either in bed or in my chair. Yeah. Um, so uh, when when I get up in the morning, I'm in the chair and I'm just sitting in it until I go to bed. Um, so uh, it it's pretty important that the seat cushion is uh, uh, absolutely top notch. Of course, um, I've also provided myself with a, a nice gooseneck um, smartphone holder and uh, a coffee mug holder, which uh, is pretty important as well. Yeah. But, yeah, I found it that. No, that's brilliant. That's really good to know. And, and, I, and I suppose 
just to make the point that depending on the wheelchair service, going back to the Wheelchair Alliance report findings of the postcode lottery, in some areas, those things might not be available um, through the NHS. So that's where we could, as an association, support um, if individuals weren't able to self-fund. Um, but no, thank you so much for, for sharing that. I think we're coming to, to the end of end of the questions now. Um, I didn't know if anybody, Maggie or Simon, there was anything else that you wanted to, to share before we um, we wind up? Now, um, as far as I'm going to, I'd just like to emphasise again how, uh, how valuable the, um, the association is in terms of um, not, not just financial resource, but in every other way, uh, just it's an amazing association. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Thanks, Simon. I'm really grateful to hear your story. Um, and yeah, personally, I've been with the association for about 18, 20 months now, I think. And, and it's a, a really enjoyable role to be able to support people with a, a whole range of their mobility needs. So it is the wider independence to enable people to access the community and, and do the things that they want to be able to do as the disease changes. So, so yeah, I think Lynn and I have a um, very privileged role, um, but it's a, a role that is, it enables us to, to look at the whole picture of, of how we can support people with their mobility needs. Thank you. And we couldn't provide this financial support to people living with MND without support from funders, including the Wilson Foundation and the Alan Davidson Foundation. So really key in terms of helping us deliver what we do. So I just want to finish off by saying thank you, Simon, for being so open with us and sharing your thoughts and feelings about using a wheelchair and for explaining the difference that the riser has, has made to you and also sharing a little bit about the other accessories. Thank you, Maggie. It was lovely to chat to you more about the work you and the team do here at the association to help people living with MND when they need a wheelchair. Our wheelchair service team at the association are here to help anyone with any questions whether it's about how to access the right wheelchair or whether it's about funding or personal wheelchair budgets, please do get in touch. And thanks again, Simon and Maggie. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to MND Matters, a podcast from the MND Association. Find more information at mndassociation.org. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, contact our helpline MND Connect on 0808 802 6262 or email mndconnect at mndassociation.org.